This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Those of you who have not seen Watchmen, it's okay. Because we're not really having a conversation about a TV show. Yeah. This is a conversation about legacy. This is a conversation about power. This is a conversation about what representation looks like when people have the, the knowledge and the wherewithal to actually go ahead and do truth yes. in film. Because film, powerful, is a powerful medium. That's why Birth of a Nation to this day is considered one of the greatest films of all time. Not because of the cinematic beauty of it, but because of the messaging yeah. and how it has sustained itself over a century. That message of D.W. Griffith. Powerful. So that's why we fight and do the hashtags Oscar so white and things like that because representation is important and Watchmen is important. But I just want to take a, not even a detour. Uh, there's a story circulating today that they found a mass grave in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Initially, when this um, massacre happened, they calculated that 36 people were killed. Right. Because so, people were challenging me when we first started talking mm. about this. I was like, thousands of people lost their lives. No, it's only 36. 36. 26 blacks, 10 whites, and then they updated it, right? And this happened May 31st to June. It was a two-day period of... So think about this. Two days of decimation, <laughs> firebombing, <laughs> government sanction, <laughs> running... The opening scene of, of Watchmen <laughs> was probably light. Like, we couldn't even imagine. What I do know is that all of the 35 square blocks were destroyed. Right. We know that. So how many people left with their lives? They said that 6,000 people were arrested. Black people arrested for what? How many of those were lynched? Thank you. But imagine even being packed into what jail cell was holding six thousand people right, right, back right. then. Think about that. Think about think about we're going to Africa. Think about the the slave caves, the mm. insla- the, mm. the places, the holding pens yeah. at at both Senegal, right in Accra, in in Nigeria. The yeah. the, the the those castles they call them castles. Yeah. yeah. Packing thousands of people into the, they did that here. Six thousand people were arrested. Where were they put? Mm. They said eight hundred people were hospitalized, and then they updated it to three hundred residents were murdered. Now they found a mass grave. Right. So how many? How many people lost their lives? I'm not just talking about the the generational wealth that was lost because right. I don't know what it would be like to be a doctor in 1921 with an airplane. Mm. Yeah. And what my children's children's children would look like. Right. I don't know what that would look like. Or what if that leg- if that legacy of that shining example, that black city on a hill had survived, right? What that example would have been like in other places all over the all over the country. Right. It's like seeing a black president when you're eight years old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you can achieve right. pretty much anything. And the 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 loss of life, the story of how we took this and built it from nothing gets lost in the mythology that comes out afterwards that's the that's the part that's scary is that you get lost in the the actual real story because we tell stories to each other you know what i'm saying generationally is that those stories are how we built this gets lost in the mythology of oh 30 just 36 people died right yeah i mean gosh so much i mean storytelling is really the cut through that's what people resonate with you know there's this guy um Navar Harari who wrote this book Sapiens and it's like this tour of anthropology going back to the dawn of the raising of mankind to mankind becoming conscious and his theory is that the thing that separates man from animals is our ability to tell stories not just in the sense that we're communicating with each other but that's how we're able to organize ourselves in mass scales so he kind of puts this storytelling as the key thing 
that allows us to build civilizations, to get groups of people who don't know each other to work together to a common goal, whether that's religious stories or nationalistic stories or cultural or clan stories, it's all the same thing. So I think the relevance of stories is really central in terms of this. And of course, you know, and we're going to get into this, I think the ability for us to tell our own stories is really central here. So when you say our own, um, I'm, I've been contemplating and thinking a lot about moving into 2020 a little bit differently. And when we say our, I know what you mean. And we say our because it hasn't been told, which is painfully obvious when we watch Watchmen. Exactly. Right. I'm going to play a clip from Damon Lindelof, who I would love to have on the show one day Ooh, and yeah. do a town hall with. Oh, he I is, want to be here for that. Yes, he is the, um, <laughs> the creator of this. Now, they're Watchmen purists. I know, Kareem, you watched the movie. Did, yeah. did you watch it too, Della? Yeah, I watched the movie. The right. original? I read the comic book. Yeah. Read the comic books. Drew, have you? Did not read the, 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 I did not read the comic book, but watched the movie. I saw the movie a couple times. Okay. Yeah. So there is a lot of pushback with Damon Lindelof's version of Watchmen oh, yeah. as not being pure hmm. to the to the comic book, to the graphic hmm. novel, hmm. to the movie. This this is an abomination. Twenty twenty, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So what do you guys say to that? Those of you who have watched, I've never read the comic book, didn't watch the movie. The one thing that I would say about the graphic novel to the TV show is Watchmen always ends with you like, damn, why did that happen that way? Hmm. This one kind of, it was a bow tie and it was clean. And, you know, that's the thing that you, you when you look at Watchmen or when you read on it, they tell you stories that, the bad guy wins sometimes mm. or a lot of times the bad guy wins right because the bad guy is david v or vite in mm. in the show he was the bad guy in in the comic mm. or in the graphic novel he dropped a, an atomic bomb on the world to kill three million people but to create world peace yeah the squid bomb yeah the, yeah it was so there's complications to everything with watchmen this one was kind of buttoned up but Standing from where I'm standing, it's damn near a perfect television show or a series. Like, Ooh. I don't care if they have mm. another one. Like, mm. Okay. So, okay, Drew? Oh, no, I was going to say. That was Kareem. That, that was Kareem. I, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I feel like that, if, that this is not necessarily a sequel to the movie or this isn't just the story that picks up after the movie, you know, 30 years or whatever it is. 
I don't take the purest the purest route to it because I feel like similar to what what Kareem was saying about the Watchmen, I don't think it ties up at the it, it neatly at the very end. Like at the end of the Watchmen movie, I felt like is this the end or is this like the beginning the of yeah. the next thing, right? So I feel like it was it was complete but still I still had that feeling of like I know 15 other things that I'm thinking of that could happen next after mm, this. Dang. And so that's the way I feel like oh. the story, the TV show is still very, very, very similar in sort of structure and storytelling. And it, to me, it's very much purest because it gives you an end. Like if they didn't do a season two, you're not be, mad. You wouldn't we'll be mad. Be okay, yeah. We'll be all be okay. But you can look at just when, when her foot touches that water I got like 15 different show scenarios in my head of what's about to happen next, right? And so I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that that's the same thing that happened with the graphic novel too is in the end is like I'm putting it all in your hands like what what happens next? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So All right. All right. And we're going to get to whether dope. there should be yeah. a season 2. Do mm. we think this we we'll get to all that? We're talking Watchmen as I promised. This is uh, the season finale was on Sunday. It's the Karen Hunter show. I have Drew McCaskill here, Kareem Graves, and Dele Atonde. Atonda like Wakanda. Uh, you saw the movie and read the graphic novels. You are a graphic novel producer. You mm. you are publishing in this vein in this space. Yes. How do you, how do you feel it? It what did it hold true to what the original piece was supposed to do? Yeah, and and you know David Landelof talks about that as a key thing for him in terms of as a purist, as a big Watchmen fan, which he clearly was. He wanted to make sure that it was true to the Watchmen thing. And I think certainly, you know, when it started, we were all like, whoa, what's going on here? This is completely sideways. How does this make sense with Watchmen? I think they did a really clever job of weaving it backwards as you went through the story. And you're like, oh, it's like one of those tapestry things. You step back at the end and you're like, I see the whole picture. And for those of us who are storytellers, I think David Lindelof left breadcrumbs for how you do this. Yes. Oh, God, yes. 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 Anybody who thinks exactly. I'm a writer, exactly. what, you, you better study this yes. for its writing. The writing in this yes. was some of the most brilliant writing yeah. to because a lot of folks were confused, but at the same time, he left enough for those who were confused to want to keep going. Let me play the first clip uh, of what was the genesis for him Using Tulsa, first of all, foundationally as the backdrop mm. for this particular Watchmen. Let's play clip one. And at that time, also Black Panther hadn't come out yet, but it had been announced that Ryan Coogler was going to do it. And ta Coates was writing Black Panther. And I was thinking about Wakanda. And I was thinking that if Wakanda actually existed in the real world, if there was this place of... African-American exceptionalism, I guess in the case of Wakanda, African exceptionalism, but a place that where only black people lived and they were the best scientists and it was a utopia. If white people found out about this place, they would destroy it. They'd burn it to the ground. So all of those ideas were kind of like swirling around in my head. And then I bought this book called The Burning about Tulsa 21 because of having read. And I was just astonished by this story on every single level, most of all because I had never heard uh, about it right. and I felt shame and embarrassment and I would talk to other um, people like I talked to people of color and they go oh yeah and I talked to white people and they go what and then I'd start explaining oh this is what happened and I would see them start to get feel embarrassed and then and then disconnect um, which is what we do when we feel like we're supposed to know something and we don't know it and so all of that stuff was kind of swirling around in my head and then the fundamental question that we were asking about doing Watchmen is, 
Should we do it? And if so, why now? Well, I think now is perfect. Oh, right? hell yeah. It was perfect. And let perfect me just timing. thank David Lindelof, who says that he read Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me. Yeah. And it dramatically impacted his life. And, and again, learning is about breadcrumbs. So you read Ta-Nehisi Coates' book and you're like, wow, what else has he written? Then he goes and reads the case for reparations. And mm -hmm. in the case for reparations, he sees this piece on Tulsa, mm -hmm. which he never heard. He went and then got the whole book. The you see what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. Those of us who are not intellectually curious enough to go follow these breadcrumbs, stay out of these conversations. Don't even vote. Like, I don't even want you to vote because, you're, no, no I'm, I promise you, your like, liability. because you're not intellectually curious enough to, to find the answers that we need. And I don't, we don't all need to agree, right. but you need to be on that journey. Lindelof took a journey. One book changed his whole entire perspective, and he was not satisfied not knowing. And he kept going until he, he was set. And then he wanted to share, because that's the other thing. When you know something, you want to go tell everybody. You want people to know. Yeah. So yeah. he goes and tells other white people. Black people know. Yeah, you have you heard of Tulsa? I just read this whole book. Yeah, we know about Tulsa. White people know. I never. That didn't happen in America or mm. America. Yeah. No. And then they shut down. They run away. They don't want to because what? If you have to understand that Americans were firebombed and destroyed for the crime of being black. Right. You have to then examine your belief in the system. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And then you have to make changes, right? Because if you have to accept that this didn't happen one time, there was a red red summer, 1919. Rosewood. There, there's so many. I'm reading about a community in Philly, a wealthy community in Philly. I'm reading this book uh, about black wealth. Gone. And this happened over and over and over again in a country where people came, give us your tired, your poor, your hungry, your huddled masses, right? The clarion call where people made something of themselves out of nothing, which is what the American dream is. Absolutely. And they were destroyed by terrorism, domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism. Yeah. Mm. If you're white in America, so-called, you got to know this. And you have to talk about it the way David Lindelof had to. T so he made sure, because Watchmen is a very popular series. Yeah, yeah. Damon, I'm sorry, Damon Lindelof. He made sure that you had to be uncomfortable watching this. And the people who are responding initially on, on social media initially were clearly uncomfortable with the Watchmen story yeah. being starting off with a story talking about race. Yes. They were the purest. That though that first week, the first week out, I felt like the HBO might have to kill the show because the, because there was so much negative, there was yeah. so much negativity about oh this ain't the story this isn't that's not what that this was about. Warshak is not a racist. Warshak is not a racist. <laughs> that everywhere yeah. it was over and over. The twist though. Mm, yeah. The twist, though. So, so I'm gonna skip to the end, mm. and we're we're really not giving away too much. There aren't yeah. too many spoilers here. Again, mm. we're having a sociological conversation about a TV show, mm. which is so much more deeper than a TV show because one man, low key, got the blackest thing on TV, the blackest, blackest ever yeah. in the history of and, TV. And I'm gonna say it too. in roots. Yeah, this is uh, it's black. Wait, wait, black. De wait, Dele <laughs> wants to say something. I, I just have to say, I mean, I you know, I loved the series. I loved it. But I didn't like the ending, and I was very uncomfortable with the way it ended. Why? Because, you know, and I think it all comes back to this whole thing about telling our own stories. You know, I remember when I read The Watchmen for the first time, 
it's really bizarre because there's this line that stood out to me and it's like the superman is here and he's american and you know Dr. Manhattan goes and obliterates Vietnam. Vietnam yeah. And you're like, whoa, hold on a second. What's going on here? And it made me really uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, why is he, why, why is he doing that? And why is he, what, what, what is it that he's actually, what are his values? What is, his, what is he espousing? And I remember, and I was young at the time, I was a teenager when I read this. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder what it'd be like if Dr. Manhattan was African. I literally had that thought. And then to see it in the series where they actually made him African was like mind blowing. For me, it was just so phenomenal, so exciting. But then to see the way that he was destroyed at the end. Was he? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty was much. Was he, Dylan? Yeah, come on. Was I mean, he? Was he? Oh, look. Was he? Matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Yeah, no science, yes, brother. that's, Come on. that's I can, true. I can, but I can spoil that's, a few things. Don't spoil anything, right Kareem. Don't yeah. you spoil? <laughs> but but the, on, the question on the table is: Is this the blackest thing you've ever seen on television? And you're pushing back. So tell me yeah, something blacker. Here's well. I, tell me something blacker. It's, it's not. It's not about whether it's black or or. or it's not about that for me. The issue for me is really about the ability to tell our own stories. I'll give you an example. I watched Dolomite the other night. And I watched Dolomite with my wife. And, you know, I wasn't, I was a bit reluctant to watch it at first. I'm like, oh, Eddie Murphy's go. Dolomite on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, Y'all can check yeah. it out. And as I'm watching with my wife, we're like, oh, my God, when's the horror going to happen? You know, when's the bad story? And we got through the film. And we're like, wow, this is so cool. Nothing really bad <laughs> happens. It just works, right? <laughs> and, you know, and it's just so refreshing not to have these depressive stories again. Okay, because so for let me, me let me ask you. Let yeah, me for you. Go for ahead. For me, the, the end, Doctor Manhattan's end at the end of that was very much. We were back to the beginning, back to Tulsa in twenty one. And I know this the stuff with Angela, and that's a different thing. But his ending for me was just like, it was just again hatred wins. Did you grow Bigger up in America? Wins. No. I okay, didn't. and that's important. Let's just put a pin on that, right? Not a pin. And I'm not denying yeah. that you yeah. you are valid in your feelings. But for those of us for whom this is our history, where Tulsa to me feels like blood and soil, like and I'm saying that on purpose, feels like something mm -hmm. that my people went through. Mm -hmm. I, that scene messed me up because I could for the first, I never thought I would live long enough to see somebody yeah. do a dramatic Re recreation yeah. of something that I have been reading about for years and understanding and taking it in and using these airwaves as a sounding board for it. To see that, to see at the end, a black man as God. Yeah. On tele, a black man as God. The superhero. Yeah, but then destroyed. Was like, he just, ah, because okay, again, well, okay. because listen, you won't be here, you won't be here, you won't be, one, one day none of us are gonna be here, but you're still gonna be here. Okay, fine. You're still going to be yeah, here. Yeah, but that's the same as like the ancestors who were lynched and destroyed yes! in Tulsa. They're still going to be here, but they were still destroyed in no, the sense, taken out of this plane. No, taken there was out a this... scene between Angela's grandfather and her, and there, there's a thread here. And, and da David, what's his name? Damon Lindelof yeah. talks about that thread. That Matter of fact, matter of fact, I got something. I got something. <laughs> Clip number three. Clip number three is from Damon Lindelof. 
the other essential idea that we kept coming back to in the Watchmen writer's room as an echo of the original graphic novel, but just such a powerful storytelling device, is the idea of legacy. And fundamentally, this idea of what did you inherit from your parents and their parents and so on and so forth, and particularly as it relates to Tulsa 21, which is where our story begins. Our story actually begins with Bass, a, a fictional story of Bass Reeves that is being projected on a screen right. that may or not be, it's based on actual an actual person, but it is our version of Oscar Micheaux's interpretation of Bass Reeves, then suddenly we're thrust into the quote-unquote real world, even though we're still watching an episode of Watchmen, because the Tulsa 21 massacre did happen. So that little boy, who will grow up to be Lou Gossett Jr., Oscar winner Lou Gossett Jr., right. he's, he's the origin, th- this is his story, but because Angela is his granddaughter, she is still dealing with the trauma that was visited upon him, upon him. on that day, and his parents. Right. Uh, on that day. When she catches this flyer out of the air, she doesn't realize it. Right. But she's looking at a flyer that her great-grandfather caught out of the air. Correct. From a Nazi during propaganda World... plane during World War II. So that's actually World War One. That's oh. pre-Nazis. There you go, pre-Nazis. Because we're in 1921, right? So, oh, yeah, of course. And, and of course. this is actual many of the uh, African-American men who lived in Greenwood, uh, colloquially known as Black Wall Street, but that section of Tulsa, they were World War One veterans, and they went to go fight in World War One, and because... The United States Army was not yet integrated. They had to. The, the French Army was like, "You can, you can fight with us," and the Germans would would drop these leaflets. So the leaflet that we actually used in the um, in the show is is 100% historically accurate. The Germans were using propaganda to get African Americans to just basically leave France and walk over to Germany and just become German citizens. And yet we didn't. Yeah. By the way, hmm. uh, go ahead. The, Drew McCaskill. The the thing that I wanted that. I thought was so powerful about that is the fact that even now, still to this day, that people outside of the United States of America understand that African-Americans are the linchpin to the success or the failure of this country and this democracy because African-Americans are still being targeted with, with international propaganda. You can't you can't make yeah. me believe yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're right. And Absolutely. I, I want to add something to this just to, to a point earlier and and. I suppose I could say fortune of um, living, of having lived in Africa, having lived in Europe, grown up most of my time in the UK, and having lived here. You know, I think there's, for me, first point is that I, when I see the pain of Tulsa, I feel it's very personally. I feel this is my people who are being, who have gone through this horror. And I feel in many ways, my experiences growing up in the UK, echo the situation in the states i know so many of my friends that went to prison so many people that i knew that grew up with died in prison and so the the persecution the holocaust is something that's real and that holocaust that african holocaust is something that's been going on for 500 years and for me that was actually one of the really interesting points and and again hands hats hat off to david landelof for what he's done i think it's an incredible damon, damon sorry I keep damon doing it too. yeah damon landelof for what he did with this it's a very brave and very bold series and it's 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 a great effort now and um, one thing that again what you played in that clip when he's when he spoke about Tulsa in 21 when it was when it was destroyed in that way and he and the other thing he said in the podcast around that was that he what was going on in Charlottesville and what was going on in Charleston and all of these shootings so the the point is that this stuff is all happening now 
you know, it's it, and this is kind of about the Dr. Manhattan experience, the fact that he doesn't experience history or the future. It's all this ever present now. And it's like this ever present now of persecution. And that was the thing that worried me about the way that he died at the end. And I know, okay, in the sense that anyone dies, he died, right? And maybe he can come back. That's possible. But it's that really make him a god. Well, well, he's not. But that's the interesting thing about Doctor Manhattan as well, because he's a a, man-made god. Well, he he didn't. He never wanted to become a god, because this is the thing that Adrian Veidt says at the end of it when they go through this whole thing about masks. He's like, first of all, his point of view is that anyone who wears a mask is evil, which is I think is nonsensical. You know, ah. and and that it makes people cruel. Oh, we we it gonna have people, a couple. Yeah, All right, let's, that, yeah, okay, go we, ahead. Make your other. I'm writing well, this down. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that's a, a a contrary point of view. But then he goes to this thing that anyone who tries to become a god is effectively, you know, doing a disservice to mankind. But the reality is, Doctor Manhattan never wanted to become a god. It was an accident that he became god. But when in he that was sense. when he had that dialogue, he wasn't talking about Doctor Manhattan. He was talking about Lady True. Yeah, p- potentially. His own child. Potentially, but by the same token, Still and this is the whole conspiracy of events. You know, it's Adrian Veidt, Doctor True, that lead to the destruction of Manhattan with some cracker redneck who's got two, you know, a peanut for a brain. He could never have destroyed Doctor Manhattan. But it's this conspiracy of actors with these vested interests that leads to the destruction of this guy and particularly in the context of him being this African version of Dr. Manhattan I found that really disturbing I found that for me that was like you know that whole scene at the end with him sat there vulnerable and exposed like that that to me was just going back to 1921 I don't agree with you either Um, I think Kareem does either and I think we should have a conversation about what true power looks like Yes. Dele Atunda is here. Atunda. Uh, he is the founder of MetaMe, which you can go check that out. We're going to tweet out his information in Metai Nights, which is the dopest, one of the dopest graphic novels on the marketplace. Go ahead and get a part of that going on as well. Drew McCaskill is here. Uh, of course, Kareem Graves. There's a reckoning happening in America as it relates to race. It's not to say that that reckoning wasn't happening during the civil rights movement or it wasn't happening in the 80s or the 90s, but right now, especially after Charlottesville, and I remember very specifically, Craig, like when Charlottesville happened, there was this rhetoric that was happening around it where people kept saying, I can't believe they're not wearing masks. They're not wearing masks anymore. Mm -hmm. The white supremacists are just out there and we can see their faces and it's shocking. And so that was happening at the same time that HBO was saying, do you want to do Watchmen? A show about and I, masks. And I was like, what are masks? Yeah. You know, like what happens when you mix a mask with the administration of the law? That's the central idea of Watchmen. And then you, the KKK wears masks. And I'm starting to see protesters like Antifa is wearing masks. This was long before Hong Kong. But it's like this idea of like covering your face is covering your face a justification for protecting yourself or are you doing something that you probably shouldn't be or both? And then all of that kind of went into the mix. Mm, that was Damon Lindelof, the creator uh, of The Watchmen. 
which was on HBO, just wrapped up on Sundays. Uh, we don't normally do this. This is Tech Tuesday. It's Tech Tuesday. I got Drew McCaskill, Kareem Graves, and Dele Atunda, who's about to, first of all, I got a full disclosure. Um, he used a, a derogatory term for white people on these airwaves. I, I do not condone it Apologies, I didn't. I don't mean, condone yeah. that behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and Drew was clutching everything. He was like, <laughs> he was like, Drew was like, we could say that? Like, no, we cannot. No, we absolutely cannot. <laughs> Only way How we could. Dare you. Thank you. So knock that off. Coming in, in here, England, which, it's not which, so which, offensive. Really? <laughs> yeah. You call a white person a cracker in well, England, and they're okay with it. Redneck take, cracker. Yeah. You did yeah. the two. You did a. You did a two for one. He gave the double. The double. Oh, good to know. Culturally, we can go to London and, and get away with that. It's okay. So anyway, um, I I can only get away with it when we're doing our um, uh, we used to we we used to do a um, we used to do a skit, you know, but I wasn't calling anyone that. It happened to be the name of the main character. Anyway. I for one was very not offended. Thank you. Sir. All, right. All right, I promise to take callers. I know everyone wants to jump on Dele. <laughs> So All here's right. what I did. We had a, a guest that was coming in at 4 o'clock. I canceled them so we can keep talking. Hey! All right. right. It was a go. celebrity, too. But, oh, hey! Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, whatever. Did, is it officially canceled, Smith? Because I don't want them showing up here. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> what do you think about Watchmen? You let them know. I don't know. I don't know about Watchmen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. All right. Mar- Mar- I'm Martian, impressed. Martian Atlanta, I got tricks. Hey, Martian. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, well, one of the things that I loved about it was that curiosity thing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What we're not going to do is struggle through whatever whatever you're juggling in your pocketbook. Let's find a building with a door. Yeah, let's <laughs> go in it. Yes, we, we, we're not going to struggle to listen, Marsha. Okay, okay. Is this better? A little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Is this better? Not hearing Drew twice, definitely not. So maybe you have is a blue... Better? Okay, better? that's better. Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I was curious, and come to find out, in Oklahoma, during that period, there were more black people in the state of Oklahoma than there were whites. It was known at that time that if you were free and you could get to Oklahoma, you could, do, you could live in that state free. And there were like about 35 towns, black towns within Oklahoma. And it's documented. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was when um, the federal government got involved, it was Indian land that was taken from the Indians and then was given to whoever came through. And the blacks were part of that. And that, again, comes back to how many black people and white people have Indian blood that come from Oklahoma. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Don't quite know what that. All right. Breadcrumbs we're talking about. And I appreciate Marsha for dropping a few more because here's the thing. When uh, Damon Lindelof mentioned Oscar Michelle, Michelle, Damon, I said Damon Lindelof. I said it. You got it. Mentioned Oscar Michelle. um, How many people know who he is? I do not. I do not. See? Okay. Breadcrumbs. Follow him. Because there would not be a watchman without it. We wouldn't have known the story of Bass Reeves. We wouldn't have known a bunch of things, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's important. Yes. A man that did 44 films, born in the 1800s. I mean, you think about representation in in the early 1900s in this country. We're talking about D.W. Griffith. Mm. Oscar Michelle was doing this before, during, and after 
had his own film company. What did that take? Right. Who was uh, watching? Who could afford to go see a film and you just out of slavery? Yeah. Right. But yet it was Dolomite. so important. Dolomite was in the 1960s. I know, I know, I know. You are I, just I'm, really. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying. Get I'm, Drew, get get I'm agreeing with you, but this whole self entrepreneurialism and selling, to, you know, building a product and selling it directly to our people and not being dependent on the incumbent infrastructure, that's the story which I think is what you're talking about, which is really important. Actually, I'm talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Monica. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be a tough day, <laughs> Come in here, to, when I was in London, I'm Monica, Monica in Detroit. In the deep. Hi, gang. Hey, Karen. I'm sitting in the driveway just waiting on you to call my name. Oh, my God. You, you just, you give me so much life, Karen. You so dope. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't have never watched The Watchmen, but for the first episode, I'm a black history major, Wayne State University. Yes, I'm very familiar with Oscar Michelle. He was on the U.S. stamp also, by the way. Wow. Um, but what caught me was that scene, that Tulsa, I guess, being that major. I'm not a, a sci-fi person, so I kind of was saying whoever answers the phone, I was lost in the sauce with the whole, the Adrian and then the, 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 the white chick that came in, the FBI lady, and what was going on there. But I stayed to the end. I watched the whole thing. I watched it with my 8-year-old, and she was like, oh, my God, I wanted to see her step on the water. And, you know, and hopefully that's not a spoiler alert or anything. But I'm, what also intrigued me, you said earlier in the week um, that whoever was the writer, I guess this guy you've been playing, um, took it, and it was, it, it was tied into the Charlottesville piece. So that then breadcrumbs, like you're saying, piqued my interest. So I've stuck with it, and um, it is so amazing. It's so interesting. I probably I, I, I did, I'm lost. My mother, who's an inside Hollywood person, is like, oh, I looked it all up. I I went and checked out the whole comic thingy thing, and not there. <laughs> so I'm following it because of the the, the storyline of the um, the black piece that's really keeping me there. I'm kind of. The Adrian making the people, and that—that's yeah. where I'm lost in the sauce, in the whole sci-fi component. Um, so I—I I'm, I'm, I like this conversation. I thank you for having it. Your guests are always wonderful. I just wanted to put that little two cents in there. Um, have an awesome, wonderful journey back home to Accra. I hope you get to Elmina Castle and the Door of No Return, mm-hmm. and get to experience all that. Um, and and just keep doing what you're doing, and God bless. Thank you. Wow, yeah. that was yeah, and it is on my to-do list. Um, even though I'm Definitely struggling, worth going. struggling. You you went to yeah. you yeah. went to the one in Accra. Yeah, because the Elmina, Elmina Castle. That one in particular. Yeah. Why is that one more important than the one in Senegal or the one at Gori Island? I guess they all are really, and I don't think that it's material which one you go to in truth. But you know, it's it's a feeling. It's a it's it's that now ever present now thing. It's that wretched feeling that's is lingers there and i think if you'll get it for many of them you go to i feel like it's in my dna monica said something about because i'm not i'm actually i am a sci-fi person so let me just say that even though i never read the graphic novels i love star trek and i love the star wars and i love sci-fi channel and i'm watching everything on the sci-fi channel including like stupid stuff that i probably shouldn't be watching but if you're not into that I felt, and this is why I think Watchmen is important, and I'm devoting a lot of time to it because there are the breadcrumbs in there that will lead us to things that we need to explore from religion to race to self to all of the things, all of the themes. But the deep 
the Veet, what's his name? Adrian Veet. 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 I couldn't stand him. He was weird as F. He's supposed to be the smartest person in the world. Really? I was not impressed. He was weird as F. Never had sex, which is not a problem, right? But he's putting his sperm in bottles and putting, what the freak? His legacy. Yeah. Yeah, but. But he wasn't sharing it with anybody. That lady straight jacked his sperm. Right. <laughs> she had to go steal yeah. it. Guess his password. Yeah. For him to be the smartest man in the world, his How, password right. was pretty easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. What was it? It was uh, Ramses II. Yeah. Which is the Greek name for Ozymodus, wasn't uh, it? Ozymandias. Who is obviously an, an original pharaoh as well. Ramses. Can we speak? Let's speak just a little bit about that. I was Because I had to break from that. And I'm like, why are we calling Ramses the great one of the greatest pharaohs of all time that mm-hmm. still has Shepsud? Mm-hmm. I said it. Mm-hmm. Why are we calling him by a Greek name? Mm-hmm. It's like people today, they want to call you by a name that's not your own. What is the obsession with Europeans changing people's names? Mm-hmm. What is that? I, I just need to understand. To the why... point that it's become a cultural norm for entire communities of Asian people. It's a slight, yeah. it's a sleight of hand to start changing your your, your, your whole legacy. Thing. It's yeah. about owning the narrative. It's about defining a narrative. Ramses in a way was that African. Could, of course he was. But you call him Ozymoto? Yeah. Oxymoron. I don't care. I'm doing it on purpose. You're not gonna make me say it the right way. Because how dare you? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. very true. I mean, and that's the whole. That you see, that's the real issue with all of these stories because it is about the next evolution of mankind. It's a, these superhero stories. It's all about exploration of what's mankind, what does mankind's future look like? And this is the problem. This is the real issue about lack of inclusion and diversity in this storytelling and this story making. Because when we are not able to de- tell our own story about our vision, about what our future looks like, bearing in mind that we have been here longer than anyone else, bear in mind that we have the greatest canon or legacy of human interaction on which upon which to reflect. And this is what disturbs me about... You know, there's this comic, D.L. Hewley, and he said something once. That, <laughs> he's, this guy. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's you, we are there, right? Yeah. He, but he said something that really resonated with me once. He said that the most scary place for a black person to exist is in the imagination of a white person. Mm, and, I mean, you can tell that by how we show up in, in media all media. the time. Totally. Thank yeah. you. Oh, that sounds like we got to stop, which we do. We have to go to break. But I want to I wanna put a fine line on that. Damon Lindelof is not a black person. He was inspired by a story that led him to a story that led him to a story that changed his perspective in life. And he was able to infuse that story into something that we all, except for Dele, agree is the blackest thing we've ever seen on television. White people need to know their history. This is their history. The history of Tulsa, Charleston, Charlottesville, that's their history, and they need to tell their children, just like people say never forget, and it needs to be told in a way that inspires them to do what Damon Lindelof did, which is to know more. Yes. And and if they know more, then because I don't think that only black people can tell black stories, because this man told a, the blackest story, and he's not black, and made sure the writer's room reflected that, and that he got the, the this is what diversity and inclusion should do. He got the back and forth in that writer's room. He said they would be texting him, and he wanted to get it right. <laughs> 